Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Good to see everybody here today. Before we dive into our text, we will, we'd like to do just a quick team huddle and prayer time together. Team huddle around first, wanted to just say a thank you, thank you, thank you for um, loving big and loving bold as you made the invites to your friends for Easter, to those who may not have a church home. And I know talking, many of you um, sent that invite out and reached out and just wanted to say thanks for doing that. I know that's a social risk. And then for those of you who are newer to the church and maybe you started uh, attending on Easter, just want to say thank you for coming. And I know that's a uh, social risk as well. And so um, appreciate you you doing that. Also, wanted to just say thank you for the parts that you're playing in our church family. And this is often um, no way to fully grasp all that God is doing through us. But the beauty of church is we are better together. And Different gifts come together and, and help us um, really mobilize the love of Christ as we seek to live it out. And one of the, the gifts that we'd like to speak into today or, or spotlight today is our compassion ministry team. So there's a group of people who really own the compassion ministries, which are to share the love of Christ with our community and one another, but, but specifically into our community. And some of the ministries are, are organic. They just happen. Others are organized. And think about yesterday, our high school students going with uh, Brad Legan and, and others to uh, Project Homeless, to, to serve the homeless in Indianapolis, and just beautiful picture of, of the compassion of Christ going out. But we have a number of compassion ministries that fall under that heading that are just happening every week, thanks to your support, uh, volunteering, financial, prayer, those types of things. One of them is Little Oaks Ranch. And what's neat about Little Oaks Ranch, and we'll have Ross and Sherry come up at this time, is it was birthed um, out of really our church family and this couple, as they sense God's nudging on them. And so, for those of you who don't know about it, and we'll have you grab that mic if we could, thank you. We'll uh, just first start by saying, what is Little Oaks Ranch in 60 seconds? Yes, <laughs> they'll be in the four-year. <laughs> Basically, uh, we're a ranch ministry. Um, we're patterned off of a, a large ranch in Bend, Oregon, called uh, Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch, and I found out about it by reading a book um, by Kim Meter called Hope Rising, and it's an awesome book. I know a lot of you have even read it before I even said anything in the past. Um, we went out to Crystal Peaks in 08 to find that they had do seminars. Part of their ministry is helping other people do that type of ministry. So we, I could call them up tomorrow. They have somebody on staff that would talk to me and help me with a problem or answer a question. So there are a lot of similar ministries. Um, let me check my notes here. <laughs> uh, we basically serve children, and they come from all walks of life. We Last year was a group that 
mostly had anxiety issues, lacked confidence, mildly autistic, kids that just kind of needed a leg up in life. Um, we have had uh, refer, kids referred by school counselors. We've had kids from the juvenile system. We've had a lot of foster kids. Uh, kids that are bullied, the bullies. One time we had the bully and the bullied show up on the same day, and I didn't even know they knew each other. And they left as friends. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. God just does stuff. Um, they come to learn life lessons, how to care for the animals, how to be safe around the horses and ride if they wish. Um, <clears throat> they come to learn about Jesus and his love and saving grace. And when they step out of their comfort zone, it um, when, you, when they have to step out of their comfort zone, they have to depend on us and they have to pay attention and... We never, hardly ever, have any behavior issues at ranch. Um, as, as you guys look to it, so we're kicking off here soon, but look to this season. What are you excited about? Well, we're excited about the fact that so much is happening. And, and, and it's not, we haven't got, gone out looking for it to happen, but we've had, we have a whole lot of volunteers, new volunteers, We've had to have volunteer trainings. Um, we've had uh, people just keep financially supporting us. We have new kids that are coming. Uh, some of the volunteers from Westbridge are Becky Hume, David Pilcher, uh, Teresa Hobbs, and Pat Plank. Clayton Christian Church has really stepped up. And my volunteers have really stepped up this year, and I'm excited to say I've kind of delegated things, and we're going to actually be able to have a little freedom and go on vacation this year. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have two loaner horses that come. David Pilcher's son uh, loans us a horse in the summer. That's a retired ranch horse, and she's awesome. Um, One of the things, just listening to these guys talk, I wish we could, in a classroom setting, they could just share stories of God's faithfulness. But if you're being that, if you get with them, they will bolster your faith and pump you up. And it's an example to me, too, of, of how do we steward those uh, year, retirement years, if you will, and continue to ministry and minister and really need. But how can we be praying for you guys as you look to the future? Well, one, one thing is, uh, first of all, for the kids, that's that's really the the mission our focus and we want them to, to know the lord is uh jesus christ is lord and savior we want to make real romans ten nine that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved we want them to know what that means and be able to apply that to their lives so we we also want to pray for um our volunteers because they need a special sensitivity to each kid is, is different. Um, but we also provide some support in ministry at times to the guardians and or parents or grandparents and so forth that come. So we like to have extra volunteers so that we can support them 
when they're either sitting on the sideline or watching their kids uh, ride a horse or whatever. Because some of them maybe are in more need <laughs> than even even the child. So, yeah, that's real important. Um, and just to remember to keep the focus on, on Jesus, our Lord, um, as we just sang, uh, <clears throat> but Christ through me, that's, that's really what... Uh, not I, but Christ through me. So that's that's our prayer. Thank you, guys. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and just need as a church family that we get to come around them and, and hold them up in prayer. And so I want to do that now. One of the things, I don't know if you've noticed in our worship times, we, we want to be a people of prayer. This would be a house of prayer. We come into this place to fix our eyes on the audience of one. And ultimately, um, what we do here is not about us, is it? It's about our Lord and just looking to Him and, and uh, delighting in Him, praising Him, receiving from Him, and seeking to live for Him. And I'd, I'll pray us through a prayer acrostic that a mentor gave me that's been helpful. It's P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, and yield. But I in, would just invite you to to let this be a time you just slow into God's presence and spend some time with the Father. And I'll give you opportunity just to pray on your own as well. But I will start with just continuing to, to praise Him together. And Father, we, we lift our eyes to You. Continue to, to just look to You as our Creator, as the One who made us, gave us life. And, and as our gracious sustainer, Lord, You have kept us alive another day, given us another morning. You are our Savior, Lord, and we praise you for the life we have in Christ and for your mercy and your grace that you poured out to us on the cross. Lord, we thank you that that not only have you saved us, but you're redeeming us and you're redeeming our lives and making our lives worth living and filling them up with your joy, your peace, your love, and we praise you for that. Just take a moment now to to continue to praise him in your own heart, in your own words. Father, we come to you also repenting of the things that we've done or said or attitudes of our heart that have hurt you this week. And ways in which we have not loved you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the uh, chasing idols and looking to other things in life as primary rather than valuing you above all else. And we ask you to forgive us, cleanse us. Lord, I just pray that you would purify our hearts, give us just a desire to please you alone, to, to love you first above all else with all of our strength. Lord, I thank you for the joy of a clean heart, of a pure heart, and your promise of forgiveness, and we receive that in these moments. And then, Lord, as we look at our lives and look around us, we bring you our concerns, we ask for your help, and we thank you that you invite us to do this in Philippians 4, where you say, be anxious about nothing, pray about everything, and so we do just bring you our our prayer concerns today. I 
lift up Little Oaks Ranch, Lord, and as they begin a new season of just pouring themselves out to see kids come alive in Christ, we pray for them, Lord. We pray for the kids, that they would see you, that they would understand the gospel and be able to live in light of that, that you would bring kids to yourself. Lord, we pray for the volunteers and just praise you for raising them up and pray that you would empower them to serve well. And Lord, we pray for the, the family members the, the, who support these children and know that, that they carry weights and burdens and we pray that they would experience your presence and your provision for them as well this season. Lord, we uh, look to so excited about what's coming for our church family. We looked at uh, day camp and just pray that you would be at work even now preparing hearts for of our children but also of our volunteers to serve and, and that you would just raise up the team and Lindsay and Kimmy be with them as they lead and just give us joy as we have the opportunity to, to serve you in this way. I think about the churches within our community right now, Lord, and just pray as that your word would be lifted up, that each church would be healthy. And especially we think this morning of Northview as they open up their community center and we just join with them in praising you, God, for your provision for them, that you've given them the resources and the heart to, to build this space that would um, just be aimed at reaching people who don't have a church home. And so we pray that that, that would happen, God, that you would bring many people to yourself through the, the folks there and our brothers and sisters there. And we just pray blessing over them. Lord, as we think of the needs within our own body, there are many that come to our mind. And just invite you now just to bring whatever concern it is that, that comes to your mind to give that to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are sufficient to care for our needs and our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our physical needs. And I think of uh, specifically of Amara Howard and her ankle. And Lord, we just pray healing for her and peace and wisdom as Tim and Kimmy and the doctors care for her. I pray the same for Weldon Dorsey, Father, that you would, as he uh, struggles with this hip uh, condition, that, uh, that you would bring healing direction and wisdom. Lord, I thank you for just your faithfulness to us. And as we come now to thinking about yielding our lives to you, we look to you as our good shepherd. And as we look to this week, Lord, we just surrender our plans to you. We ask for your help and your strength. We uh, thank you for your word that nourishes us and strengthens us. And even now, as we open it up, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you do what only you can do as you change us into the image of Christ? And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today we continue our series on living beyond your, your biggest fear. And really, we're chasing that question, is it possible to live beyond your biggest fear, really, as a human? Because to fear is human. Fear is that emotion that just wells up in us when we perceive a threat, whether real or imagined. And when I think about uh, threats, I, a, mo- a moment comes to my mind and, and fear jumping me. I, it was in high school. I had the opportunity to mow the graveyard 
uh, down by the DAC, right there in the middle of town. And great gig, you know, getting her done. But, but there was one big drawback to this, this job, and it was, it is located along a path that uh, my friends would take to get to Ellis Park during the summer. This is back before we were driving. And so as I'm mowing along, and the tombstones there are pretty high, my friend saw this as an opportunity to sneak up through the uh, graveyard and scare the daylights out of me as, as I'm mowing. And so that created a jumpiness in me that as I'm mowing along. And I thought, what a great picture of fear. You know, where you're just going along with your ordinary day, and then whoo, it jumps you. And you get jumped a couple times, and now you're living jumpy. And the, uh, I appreciated Dr. Carl Albrecht, his article, psychologist who identified there's really five basic fear gr- categories from which all other fears flow. Extinction, extinction was one. The fear of annihilation, ceasing to exist. The fear of death, which we covered a couple weeks ago. But it's that idea of no longer being that arouses this prime, uh, primary existential anxiety. The feeling that you get when you look over that building and in a strange way, you're like, what if I jump type of deal? This, ah. uh, the second one was mutilation, the fear of losing any part of our precious bodily structure, the thought of having our body's boundaries invaded or losing the integrity of an organ or a body part or a natural function, which leads to fuel, the fear of an- animals and bugs and spiders and snakes and like a tick and Lyme's disease, that type of thing. The loss of autonomy and that fear of being immobilized, restricted, enveloped, overwhelmed, entrapped, imprisoned, smothered, or otherwise controlled by circumstances beyond our control, that, I, that fear of claustrophobia, where you just, you're being pressed in, is one fear that flows out of this. The fear of separation would be the fourth. This is the fear of abandonment, rejection, the uh, loss of connected, connectedness, of becoming a non-person, not wanted, respected, or valued by anyone else, and that fear of rejection and just being alone. And then the, the last one is ego death, the fear of humiliation, shame that threatens the loss of the integrity of self. So the fear of, of the shattering or disintegration of one's constructed sense of lovability, capability, or worthiness. It's that terror that we feel in high school speech class <laughs> where I, I could experience ego death here right in this, these next seven minutes and completely blow apart my social world if I do something crazy. Okay, so you have these fears, and I think we would all, you you can trace all our various fears into one of these categories, but now add to this picture the presence of evil in the world, which is a sinister motive, there's a spiritual dimension to this, but also evil people who who care nothing of, of the Lord or doing good, who would impose these five fears on us, and now you have the the world in which we live. And it's no wonder we jump or we struggle with fear or the threat of the threats that are around at every corner. And it leaves us asking, is it really possible to live beyond our biggest fear? To which the answer today, the good news is yes, it is as we see life through the word of God as he's given it to us. And today we're going to unpack a text which is precious. If I had to rip 10 pages out of the Bible, this would be one of the 10, and that's all I could keep. This would be one of the 10, I think, that that I would keep precious truth in Psalm 91 that sets us free from fear. So if you would join me there, Psalm 91, we'll begin reading in verse 1 where the psalmist really, 
this first verse is like the summary truth, the core truth of, of the text, the whole psalm. And he says this, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So the core truth to live on, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Parsing this out, whoever. Don't you love that? That first word is like an open door. You can put your name in there. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. The shelter of the Most High is open to whoever will enter it. It's open to you and to me. Whoever dwells in the shelter carries the idea, this idea of dwelling is the idea of setting up our residence. It's not just a visit or a a hotel stay. It's saying, this is where I'm going to spend my life. This is where I'm, I'm coming back to. This is my home. Whoever dwells in the shelter um, the word shelter there points to the all-protective care of, of our God. He uses the word Elyon as God, the Most High, referring to his power, his protection. And, uh, and what's the result of dwelling in his shelter? It's to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So how do you live beyond your biggest fear? That fear that just keeps jumping you that threatens to keep us, keep you from your life mission, that may slow you from, from taking the, the next step in, in whatever it is God's calling you to do. It's by awakening to this simple but, but precious core reality. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So how do we live beyond our biggest spirit? It's awakening to this truth, and then allowing this truth to shape and fuel a new priority in our lives. And and what God gives us in this psalm is a picture that, that, that helps us see this. In those moments, the fear jumps us. And you don't have a lot of time to think, hey, I need to open up my Bible, think about this, that. He gives us this picture that just sticks, and it's beautiful, and it's good for every day, good for every threat. And here it is. The new priority is it's to rest in his shadow. I want to rest in his shadow. I want this to be the priority of my life. I want to live resting in his shadow. Isn't that awesome? That picture that that he gives us. My priority is to stay in his shadow. So what's this mean? It's a commitment to stay close to him, to prioritize proximity to the Lord. It's a commitment to when you when you're living in somebody's shadow, what's that? What's that mean? You have permanently invaded their personal space, right? When you're, when you're in somebody's shadow, you're right there. And here, what God is inviting us to is, is this vision of our life lived in his shadow so that I have no fear in the shadow of Almighty. What am I doing? Resting. Because I am in the shadow of El Shaddai. And there's only one fear I have in my life. It's stepping my little toe outside his shadow because when my toe gets outside the shadow of El Shaddai threats are worth worth being um, fearful of but in his shadow there is no fear because he is the all-sufficient the one who will protect he uses the name this the almighty is the Hebrew word El Shaddai and God uses many names to describe himself but this one's precious in that Shaddai represents his power but it's not the, uh, the power like lightning and thunder and 
mountain-shaking power. It's power to protect his own. It's power aimed at satisfying your needs. Power aimed at at putting a, a shield of protection around you and me. I will rest in the shadow of El Shaddai. Isn't this a beautiful truth? Precious for us. So how do we live beyond our biggest fear? The fear that jumps us on our ordinary day. It's forming this new priority to rest in the shadow of El Shaddai, to rest in the shadow of Almighty. So say, okay, John, what's that look like? What's that mean? And this is where the psalmist goes on to explain this and to help us step into this with three action steps. The first one is this, declare your trust in him. Notice what he does in verse two. He says, I will say of the Lord. So he has this truth, but then he says, okay, I'm going to say something. I'm going to go verbal. I'm going to take this truth, which is like textbook, and I'm going to apply it to my heart, and then I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And he says this, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There is something about declaring truth, isn't there? I think it's one of the reasons God calls us to sing. Man, when we're singing, we're declaring truth. But it's saying when there's, when fear comes, remember Ephesians 6, he says, what's the sword of the spirit? It's the word of God. It's the spoken word of God, the rhema word of God. This is when fear comes, we, we don't, uh, just back up and coward. Rather, we say, okay, well, am I in the shadow one? And, I, and being in the shadow, we declare the truth. He is my fortress and my refuge, my God in whom I trust. One of the questions immediately that comes to my mind, how do we as sinful people enter the dwelling place of a holy God? And I know I feel that every week, and perhaps you, I'm sure we all do, the the shame that comes when we fail Him, when we sin. But here's the beautiful reality. The first step into His dwelling place is a declaration of trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? It's that personal statement of faith where we say, I believe, God, that I can do nothing to be right with you. My sin separates you, and I deserve judgment, but Jesus came, walked the perfect life. I couldn't, died the death I deserve, and he did as my substitute, so through faith in him, I receive eternal life, a right relationship with you forever. And, and I hope everyone in this room has had a moment where you made a declaration of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you haven't, let today be that day. It's the most important declaration of trust that we make. But I ask you, when you make that declaration of trust and you go public with it through baptism, are you done declaring your trust in Him? (laughs) No, our salvation is secure, but our security, our safety, our... Man, we are... We're running through a world full of threats, and what God calls us to is keep declaring, keep declaring your trust. You are my refuge and my fortress. I trust you, Lord. And we keep declaring, Lord, you are the one that I'm trusting. When fear jumps us, we go verbal. You are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I, I trust. So I ask you, what is your fear these days? What's, most of us have a fear that just keeps spooking us. <laughs> I know um, there's... Yeah, one that wakes me up at three in the morning often. And what do you do in those moments? You declare, I trust, I'm staying in his shadow. I declare my trust in the Lord. Second action step we see is in verses three and four, we anticipate his protection. So if you've ever purchased a car and then they say, do you want like the tire protection or the warranty or whatever? You know how if you, if you agree to some of that, like, okay, 60,000 mile warranty on your engine, 
they give you this paper and they start listing out, this is all the things that are going to happen. Good if, if something bad happens. Something breaks, this is, this is what you get in your protection plan. This is what we see in these following verses. It's like God's protection plan for us. And where we, anticip- we can anticipate his protection. As he says, verse 3 and 4, Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. This is the external threats, the picture of a bird going into a net of some person trying to catch them. And from the deadly pestilence. So this is the, the microscopic virus threats. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. The word rampart there is the idea of body armor or, uh, yeah, just what a soldier would wear to protect him from, from harm. It's here the song, songwriter is really walking us through the, our lives that are full of threats. And he's pointing out threat, 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 and saying, this is how God's going to protect you. And don't you love the picture of he's going to cover you with his feathers? His faithfulness will be your, uh, will be your shield, your, your body armor. And pick your threat. And he'll go through some more threats, but there is no threat that can touch us when we're standing in the shadow, resting in the shadow of Almighty. Most scholars feel that this psalm was written by Moses. The previous one, Psalm 90, was written by Moses. So when when a psalm doesn't have an author ascribed to it, you often go back to the the past, the most recent psalm. But I think what um, is most convincing to this view is the content of the psalm. And what, what they have seen, and, and I'll read the, te- the part that really points this out, it, it seems this is the experience, or the psalm was written uh, with the experience of Joshua and Caleb in view. So you remember when God led Israel out of Egypt to the edge of the promised land, he sends in those 12 spies and 10 come back freaking out. Fear jumped him. And what was the fear? The giants are too big. They are going to take us out. But two guys are standing in the shadow of Almighty. And they're like, yeah, the giants were big, but El Shaddai is bigger. And I love the way in Numbers 13 how he describes what's going to happen to the giants. You remember the word he uses? With God helping us, we will devour them. So it's not like we're going to sneak around and shoot these guys from behind the tree. man. With God helping us, we're going to devour but what happens to the nation? They freak out with fear. They want to kill Joshua and Caleb, Moses. So God says, forget it. I'm going to punish this generation who have walked away from me. They're going to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. They're all going to die. Anybody over 20 is going to die. But Joshua and Caleb, because they follow me wholeheartedly, are going to see the promised land. So put yourself in Joshua and Caleb's shoes. For 40 years, you're watching thousands of people around you die through plagues, through pandemics, whatever. So you're going to bed at night and a pandem- pandemic is sweeping through Israel and you're wondering, is it going to hit me and my family? Is God really good for his promise? And what if God gave Moses this psalm just for Caleb and Joshua? And I think about our situation. We're too waiting for our king to come. Sometimes we wonder, am I going to make it? Am I going to be safe? Not necessarily physically safe, but but will God see me through? And what a comfort in what, what's about to come. We can anticipate his protection as we read on. 
He says, uh, verse 5, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence, or that disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, so there's that declaration, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. And then God gives us a a beautiful picture into the unseen world, the spiritual realm, which is really the biggest threat for us, isn't it? The, The enemy of our soul and the spiritual battle that we know wages. And we wonder, am I going to make it? Am I going to resist the temptations and get through this life? And he says, verse 11, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. We know that Jesus speaks of children having a guardian angel. But what does God tell us here as his children? Do we have an angel? No, we have angels. And they are charged by God. One angel put people on their faces in fear. We have angels who God is dispensing To guard us in all our ways, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot upon a stone. That idea of your step is under the care of God. The little things, even a stone, um, God cares and will dispense resources to help. And then here comes the, the, uh, a beautiful picture. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. The lion representing the, the, the powerful, uh, threat. The cobra representing the sinister threat that that can inflict poison. Both representing our spiritual enemy, the devil, compared to a lion. And we know it came as a serpent. It says, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. And again, I love the words he uses. He doesn't say you'll tiptoe around or... When we're living in the shadow of Almighty, it's not our strength, but we will... He said, you will tread and trample. Tread and trample. Tread and trample. Paul, you know, to Timothy, said, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We live in his power, and and we need not fear, but have humble confidence as we deal with the threats around us. What a comfort to us. As we rest in his shadow, we anticipate his protection. We're safe in his care. But I know this does bring a, a question to our minds like, John, I, I read through all this of God's, you know, protecting, and but what about the times I am hit by evil, the times I do suffer, the times that we do experience the effects of evil, somebody else's wrong decisions or disease, the, just the fallenness of this world, death hits us. Where is God in that, you know? Where, where was he then? And this is when we practice. I think in those moments that God, we know he doesn't, um, he is not um, evil or has no uh, part of evil, but when he allows evil to impact our lives, it's when our faith is put to the test and we claim his promise. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I will be with you in the valley of the shadow of death. And we know that he is working all things, Romans 12, 28, 
for our good, for his glory. It's in those moments when we experience the effects of evil that we cling to our Lord, we stay in the shadow, and we trust my God is at work. And this is not the end of of the story. This is a part of the story. He is even going to redeem this moment, people of the resurrection. And uh, hope lives even when it seems to have been lost in the situation that I'm in. We fix our eyes on our Lord who endured our cross. And we come to this last action step. And this is one of the most precious in this psalm. So we've got this new priority. I want to stay in a shadow. How do we do that? We declare our trust in him. We go verbal with it. We anticipate his protection. We just know that he's going to take care of us. But this last action step is this. Just listen. Just listen. So up to this point in the psalm, what's been happening is we've been talking about God. So I picture us in a classroom setting at school, and we have the Bible open, and we're learning about God. We're we're learning these truths about who He is. But there's a knock at the door of the classroom, and in walks the Lord Himself. And, and it's like, he walks right up to the front of the classroom and we slowly close our Bibles, our, our textbooks, because he's about to speak. And, and that's what happens in this text. God speaks now. And I love this picture. I, I don't know what fear is jumping you these days, but as I read this text, I, I just want to ask, would you let these words be God speaking to you? And um, just hear him. Because he goes verbal in this this moment. It's God speaking. Verse 14, he says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name or knows my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him. My salvation. Do you love him today? I love the first part of that phrase, because he loves me. It's literally because he clings to me in love, I will rescue him. Are you clinging to God in love today? Do you love him? This is not a duty thing. This is a relationship thing. It's because he loves me, I will rescue him. Do you know him? Do you know his name? Because he knows me going to protect him and then are you calling on him today the call of of a child of God is a call that is heard every time by the father it's what he's saying here because he calls on me I will answer him and I don't know if you caught the drumbeat but what's the drumbeat in this text the theme I will I will when God says I will when El Shaddai says I will it happens so I say it again I will He says, or he says to you today, I will rescue you. I will protect you. I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. I will honor you. I will satisfy you with life and life eternal. Is it really possible to live beyond our biggest fear? And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. You say, well, how? In this world so full of threats, And there's one place that that we live, a new priority for the child of God. I just, 
I've got to stay in his shadow. A couple months ago, I was sharing, God spoke this truth to my heart and just encouraged me so much. And I was sharing this with a group of, of brothers in Christ and said, man, Psalm 91 has been just precious to me lately. I, my priority throughout the day is, am I in the shadow? You know, I just got to get in the shadow. And when I start getting freaked out and fearful, I just got to get in the shadow, man. What am I doing? And what is it that causes us to get outside the shadow? And it's often those moments, I think I can handle this. And then all of a sudden, we're freaked out. <laughs> I got to get back to the shadow. So I'm telling these guys, but you know, there's this one thing that's messing with me. It's overwhelming me. It's a, and if you guys could just pray for me around this thing that's just overwhelming me at this time. And one of the guys sat there quietly for a while, and then he goes, sounds like you need to get in the shadow. I'm like, shut up, man. That's what I was telling you guys. That's, I'm, I know that. And then it's like, <laughs> I just need to get in the shadow. And man, that brought such a comfort to me. And I did. And God provided. It's why do I make it so hard? I just got to stay in the shadow, man. Get to the shadow. Because it's in the shadow we rest. This is life in his kingdom. Heaven. Now. The stories of Scripture bear this out again and again and again. You can trust Him. Will you live in the shadow? God's calling to us today is to let this be our first priority. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we just pray today that you would help us to to take our place in your shadow and then that you would And I'm asking that you would do this in a way that only you can do. Take fear out of every heart in this room. And that I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place a fearless people. People who are fearing you alone, revering you alone, and therefore fearing nothing else that this life would threaten us with. God, I pray that this campus, that when we come here on Sundays, that that it would be a fear-free place and that this truth would just resonate For the rest of our days, Lord, that we, as we come together, we come into your shadow together and we speak this truth, that you are our refuge and our fortress, our shelter. God, I pray that this would be true of our families, our homes, and as we gather together, that there would be no fear, not in this house, not in this house, and not in this heart. God, would you just take it out? We know that we will struggle, we're humans, we're sheep, and we will jump. But I pray that when we jump, our next reflex will be, i got to get to the shadow, get to the shadow, get to the shadow of El Shaddai. So that our life is but one story after another. Have you caring for us, protecting us. Lord, I thank you, I praise you for this. I thank you for the joy that this brings, the peace that this brings, the beautiful future that we can look to. Not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow but knowing El Shaddai holds that day. We praise you for this. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.